Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. For the Montreal Canadiens, they lead the Minnesota Wild 3-0 after 20 minutes. Also after the first, Devils and Rangers tied 1-1. Devils still looking for their first win of the season. We'll have more on them as we move along on the show tonight. 1-1 early second period between Tampa Bay and Boston. Canucks and Blues just getting underway. Later on, Predators, Coyotes, Ottawa takes on Vegas. The Sabres, who are 5-1-1, meet the Kings. The Islanders and Jets getting set to go in Winnipeg. And down the highway, Calgary hosts Detroit. Then the Red Wings come here tomorrow night to take on your Edmonton Oilers. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5.30. And the game will start at 7. The Oilers 6-1 and one. Out of the gate this season, man, there are some interesting numbers surrounding this team, and I appreciate that we already have an open line caller at 780-496-0063. Your participation is, of course, welcome at that phone number or by texting 630-630. But before I get to the lines, just want to go over some of these uh, numbers. The power play, incredible. Two more goals tonight and two opportunities. Help put the game away in the second period or extend the lead anyway after Philadelphia was all over the Oilers for the first 30 minutes. The power play at 45.5%. 45.5% on the power play. The penalty kill, bit of a lull last night. They were four for six. The PK still fifth in the NHL at 88.5%. Outstanding special teams. I know Rob Brown says when he played, uh, you always wanted your uh, special teams to add up to 100 or better. The two percentages to add up to 100 or better. So maybe 80% PK, 20% power play. Well, it's it's, uh, a little bit better than that for the Edmonton Oilers. 134, the combined percentage of, uh, of the two teams. The goaltending has been very good. Miko Koskinen's save percentage now up to 927. That's 11th in the NHL. Mike Smith at 917. That's 16th in the NHL. Last year, neither goaltender was in the top 30. The team's save percentage is 922. That is very good. The uh, numbers that concern you a little bit as we move along, and obviously last night, 52 shots. Some really poor defending by the Oilers, some poor clearing, some poor decisions with the puck. Um, Largely a goaltending victory until the Oilers got those goals late in the second period. 
but uh, the Oilers on average are being outshot 33 to 25 and a half, so about seven and a half shots per game. And the Corsi, if you're into the advanced stats, that is the percentage of total shots attempted in a game five on five, so it does not include power play penalty kill. Uh, the Oilers' Corsi, 45.3%. That is quite poor, 27th in the 31-team NHL. But they have been getting the wins. Their points percentage is 857. To be a little sarcastic, to those of you who have been telling me they're not going to keep it up, yeah, no blank, Sherlock. We've all watched hockey before. No one gets 85% of their points. They do have to work on some things, but glad they have some in the bank. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is 610 Inside Sports on 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Houston and the Yankees just underway in the ALCS. We'll keep you updated on that. And later on tonight, always great to have this guy on the show. Former Expos pitcher Mike Johnson is going to check in. 780-496-0063. We have Goalie Doc on the line. Goalie Doc, go ahead. Oh, hi, Reed. Thanks for thanks for taking my call. Um, you answered my question about the goal the goalie's uh, save percentage. But I'm asking, the question I'd ask you, what do you think the uh, it should be for the Oilers to make the playoffs, where we'll have to be at? And I'll take your call off the off the line. Thanks. But, well, I could, a short answer to that, I, I think if they can have a team save percentage around 9.15, they'll have a very good chance of making the playoffs. That's Maybe that's a, a lofty goal, but I think it's going to have to be there. That'll help the, the penalty kill stay high. It'll help them five on five because, let's face it, there are some nights McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't going to get two, three, four, five points. Um, so I think if they can have a 9-15 save percentage, they'll, they'll have a pretty good shot of making the playoffs because usually that save percentage will have you in the top six. And, and often, often the 16 best defensive teams in the NHL are the 16 that make the playoffs, or at least 13 or 14. I think Cal- I had this stat in the summer when I was looking at stuff. I think Calgary was the worst uh, defensive team to make the playoffs last year. I think they were 20th in the NHL. So you, you got to be, if not in the top 16, almost there. I, I, so 9.15 as a team save percentage would be the number I'd be shooting for for the Oilers. we got Brian on line, too. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Reed, how you doing? Good. Uh, yeah, what's this? Just talking about the Oilers, of course. Uh, good, to see, good to see the start they have, of course. Uh, the, the, the main guys are getting the job done. Um, you know, obviously the, the bottom six guys. You know, I think in time they're gonna things are gonna click. But uh, watching that game last night, the Oilers could have easily lost this game if it wasn't for Koskinen. Uh, and I was watching the, the defensive the, the, the defensive structure on the on the PK. In particular, and they had um, Philadelphia had a guy in the high slot just numerous times open. And I mean, I don't know what kind of zone defense or what kind of structure the Oilers are using on defense, but I think teams are figuring that out a little bit right now. Uh, because, and I mean, we're again, if it was for Koskinen, and I, I, we may not have won that game, um, but they had prime A shots from the high slot. A number of them, and I kept thinking, "Oh, they're going to close that. They're going to close that loophole." Well, it it really didn't happen. They stopped taking penalties eventually. But just like to get your thoughts on on defensive structure, and and you think that uh, you think that other teams are you know going to start exposing that? Are you are you just talking about the penalty kill, or are you talking about all situations? No, no, kill. Oh, yeah, the pe- penalty kill. Well, I actually yeah. think I, I still think the penalty kill has been pretty good, Brian, because. They're they're a little more aggressive. I, I think they're they're a little quicker 
and they're better at reading plays and stopping cross-ice passes. you got to remember, Philadelphia got the one goal where they had a basically a six-on-three because they pulled yeah. the goalie with, with two guys in the box. Yeah. I, I just think overall last night, Brian, the Oilers, first of all, their puck management, to, to use the term that's thrown around now, was, was very poor, and they, they got a little too spread out, and they also had that yeah. problem in Chicago. So instead of supporting a guy with a shorter pass... You're trying a longer pass that's a that's a little low percentage, and they just you know they didn't win enough board battles between the top of the circle and the blue line to force pucks out. So it it, it was a lot of different things. I, I I didn't have a lot of huge problems with the penalty kill last night. I, I know what you're saying that you know those they will try to opposing teams will try to set up a player and that and then get a shot away, but. I mean, there are going to be shots on the power play. I don't think you can try to stop stop all no. of them. I, I thought it was more of a, even though they allowed two power play goals against, I thought last night was more of a five-on-five failure than a, than a penalty kill failure. Yeah, oh, 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 for sure. Hey, oh, for sure. I just noticed, though, that Koskinen stopped some prime shots oh, right in the high spot. Big time. And, and, I mean, and, I mean, come on, let's face it. If Koskinen isn't playing a great game, that could have been, it could have been a three or four one game after the second period. They, they probably have. should have lost 8-4 last night, but yep, they exactly. didn't, so, so exactly. they got to work on it. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Appreciate it. 780-496-0063. Dave Tippett today was asked about the guys playing in the, in the bottom six, the roles they're playing, and, and do they need to score a little more? The bottom six guys, if you'd ask what is their main role coming in is to play quality minutes for us and really help our penalty kill, and I think you've seen that. So... Would you like to see them get on the board? I'm sure they'd like to get on the board. I mean, everybody wants to get on the board. But first and foremost, they have a role to play in our team, and they're helping us win. So in that sense, they should feel good about what they're doing. But ultimately, everybody wants to chip in. But it's it's I, I haven't seen a lot of situations like this where usually teams will have two pretty good power plays that one gets hot and the other, like, it's hard to argue against those guys that have been together for a few years going out there and they take up a lot of the time. So you, you don't get a lot of second, there's not a lot of second power play unit that gets to get those chances or chip in some points there. And, you know, it would be easy to say, okay, take those guys off and put a second unit on. But when you're clipping along at the percentages we are, there's not much use to change right now. All right, that's Dave Tippett. So a little bit of talk about bottom six players, then he you know, morphed into the into the power play. And yeah, why would you change anything at, at 45.5%? I, I think the Oilers' power play can... Is 30%? Well, 30% is probably unrealistic. High 20s maybe for the season. It's going to be a lot of extra goals. And if the PK stays up there as well, I, I still I still think... A lot of this season will come down to goaltending and special teams. They, as much as we're talking about the bottom six and some of the five-on-five play, it, it is a better bottom six than last year, and it, and they do help with the penalty killing. I still contend that they're going to have to score a little bit. Like you can't. Here's, here's the thing, and a couple people really disagreed with me on the last show because I said, you know, offensive players get criticized if they don't provide some defense, but defensive players never get criticized if they don't provide some offense. I, I think you got to kind of have not the same standards, but even if you're a checker, you have to score sometimes and, and create something. And, and I'll pull in a, a comparison from another sport. Todd McClellan used to do this all the time. Like, say on a, on a football team, 
you've got your fourth best receiver. So you're going to throw to your top guy 10 times a game, and then your second best guy seven times a game, and your third best guy is going to get five targets per game, and your fourth best receiver is going to get two or three targets per game. You don't just say, yeah, he's the fourth best guy. We don't actually expect him to catch those. No, he's got to catch them when they're thrown to him. So if if you're a, a bottom six player on the NHL and your team's going to be good, you, you, you still got to cash in when you got the chance. Of course, you're not going to get the same ice time and and you will maybe not get the same quality of opportunity, but you got to make it count and, and dent the score sheet every once in a while. That's that's what I have to say about that. We have uh, Jim calling in as well. Go ahead, Jim. Hey, Reed, how are you doing tonight? Good. I don't want to let some of the air out of the balloon, but I'm about to. Why are we having this conversation being 6-1? and one? I mean, I can see it being 1-6 and six and having a conversation. This team is playing good. Are they going to have some hiccups? Yes. Um, they did not play good last night. They won. It reminds me sometimes of the Oilers in the old days where they necessarily didn't play that well, but they won the game 8-7. So <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, worried about it right now. I think that we're going to have some bumps along the road. I think the fans should really let these uh, players uh, learn from themselves. I mean, the star last night was a goaltender. Uh, even, even, Tim, even the coach said that. He was, you know, he won the game for him. So I'm not too worried about it. I'm just enjoying. I think you have this conversation maybe after 25 games to see where they're going, but not now. Jim, this always reminds me, I think I've told this story before. I don't know if I've mentioned it for a few years. Uh, when I was a kid growing up in Evansburg, I, I was probably 10 or 11. I'm guessing it would have been maybe the 84-85 season. Uh, I came into a game with my mom and dad. The Oilers played the Minnesota North Stars. They were up 5-4 after the first period, and the final score was 9-6. <laughs> yeah. So I just don't think, like I said, I know people want to talk, but come on, they're 6-1. I mean, they're still playing good. They're going to have some bumps along the way. They're not perfect. They're going to learn, and, and let's, let's, roll with the, let's just enjoy how they're playing. It's not going to last forever. Let's just enjoy it. See you, Jim. All right. Take care. Okay, here's the deal, folks. It's time to give away two pairs of Oilers tickets for the game tomorrow. They're playing Detroit. They're going to be wearing their new third jerseys for the first time. Uh, you'll be able to get your tickets uh, tomorrow to pick them up during the day. So it, it's, a, it's an answer. It's a question that has two right answers. So I'll take two winners. You're going to have to do it live on air after the break, but I'll give you the question now. And if you follow me on Twitter, you'll already know the answer. On two occasions, the Oilers have allowed 50 or more shots in a game, and the goalie has got a shutout. Name the two Oiler goaltenders who have shutouts with 50 saves or more. So you only have to name one, and then the, what? once that answer is taken, the next winner will have to get the other guy. So two Oilers goaltenders have recorded a shutout of 50 or more saves. Uh, name one of the two. That's basically the, the question. We'll line up the contestants and get to it when we get back. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Pretty cool thing at Oilers practice today. It was Oilers wish day, so a bunch of youngsters got to sign one-day contracts with the Oilers and go out after practice. And one young guy who uh, used to live in Alberta, now he's in Ontario, Owen McGonigal, 15 years old, he got to be the Oilers' GM for a day. Ken Holland sat with him for about an hour and talked to him before and during practice. And uh, I got to have a quick chat with Owen, so we'll have that in the next half hour of the show. Very well-spoken young man. He was really interesting to talk to. Okay, we're giving away two pairs of Oilers tickets. 
for uh, the game tomorrow. So we're going to have two winners here. On 27 occasions, the Oilers have given up 50 or more shots in a game. On two of those occasions, a goaltender has got a shutout. So we want you to name one of the two goaltenders, and then you'll get a pair of tickets. So once the one answer is gone, somebody else will have to give uh, the other guy. We will start with Kim. Kim, how are you? Oh, yay, I'm good. And you? I'm doing very well. I hope you know one of these gentlemen. Oh, so do I. Is it Ben Scrivens? It is Ben Scrivens. Yes. Stay on the line, okay? Thank you. Ben Scrivens. I covered that game not long ago. It was uh, January 29, 2014. 59 saves in a 3-0 shutout win over the San Jose Sharks. Incredible performance. Leanne, do you know the other Oilers goaltender who has a shutout with 50 or more saves? Oh, long shot, but I'll try Grant Deer. I am sorry, Leanne, that is not correct. Phil, who do you say? Uh, from last night, Koskinen. Well, no, it's a shutout, Phil. Sorry. A shutout? Oh, sorry, three. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's okay. You're not an idiot. Uh, Matt on line three. Matt, do you know the other guy? Yeah, Cujo? Cujo, do you remember the game? Yeah, that was a 0 0, right, against Detroit way back in the day? Yes, in uh, 1996, December of 1996, 52 saves, a scoreless tie. So there would have been five on five overtime, but no shootout. And I remember, uh, I remember, I think I was out Christmas shopping and then saw the second half of that game. He was, uh, he was phenomenal. Have you been to yeah, a game at Rogers Place this season? I, I, I have. I went to one, uh, I went to the LA game, which was a great game. Oh, good. Well, yeah, we've had some games out of the 80s, haven't we? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Hang on the line, Matt. Thanks a lot, Reed. All right, that is uh, Matt. So, yes. Scrivens and Cujo, here's a, I mean, I don't know. I, these stats, sometimes with stats, I ask myself, what do they mean? But they're fun to look up. So 27 times the Oilers have allowed 50 or more shots in a game. They're 12, 11, and 4 in those games. So a game above 500. So during the decade of darkness, they should have just allowed 50 or more shots all the time. They would have been above 500. Well, maybe that's not quite how it works. All right. Appreciate you guys calling in Oilers and Wings tomorrow. We'll also catch up with uh, Corey Massasak. He covers the New Jersey Devils. They have their assistant GM on the bench now, helping coach the team. Already speculation about the future of Taylor Hall. Could the Oilers be in the cards? That'd be crazy. All ahead, next half hour of the show. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. Game four of the American League Championship Series. No score in the bottom of the first, but the Yankees are threatening. Houston up 2-1 in that best of seven. NFL tonight, six minutes into the first quarter. Denver leading Kansas City 6-0. The Chiefs. Very good team, but coming off a couple of losses on home turf. NHL tonight. We're going to talk more about the New Jersey Devils in a minute. Obviously, they are playing, so uh, this is a, we had to tape this interview with Corey earlier in the day, but they are looking for their first win. Devils up 3-1 on the Rangers. 
Seven and a half minutes left in the second period. Canadians beating the Wild 3-0 late second period. Also late second, Bruins and Lightning tied 2-2. First period, Jets up 1-0 on the Islanders. No score, Blues and Canucks. Four games coming up later, including Detroit at Calgary. The Red Wings are here tomorrow night. It's on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7. You can text 6.30, I hope I'm saying this right, Anish. Maybe it's Anish. says, regarding the Oilers, I'm so excited for the start they're having. Top two forwards doing what they need to do. Goaltending has been amazing. My question, though... Uh, what has Dave Tippett and Ken Holland done right that many coaches and general managers have not been able to? Um, well, I, I mean, I think I'll, I'll just go back to, to recently. You know, Peter, Peter Shirelli's actually first couple of years with the Oilers, he, he made some moves that paid off, um, but then some trades that didn't work out. And I think for depth players, he was taking shots on guys, kind of like Colby Cave, whereas Ken Holland has brought in more established role players. And it has especially helped the penalty killing. Again, we'll see with the five-on-five play. And, and, and I still believe Todd McClellan did a pretty good job coaching the team. Tippett, I think, has emphasized the uh, everybody working together as a five-man unit on the ice. Perhaps he's brought that more to top of mind than a couple of other coaches. This texture says, It's insane how poorly the Oilers are playing five-on-five. Their record should actually be three-and-four based on their actual performance on the ice and plus the uh, strange bounces in favor of the Oilers. That's a text of 630-630. And then someone else writes in, Anyone who doesn't think there were going to be growing pains is kidding themselves. It sure is a lot less painful when you get two points out of it. Let's just be grateful for it because there are always games that you deserve to win that you will get zero points from. Some text to 630-630. All right, for more on the New Jersey Devils, we will welcome in from The Athletic, Corey Massasak. Corey, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a pretty interesting last 24 hours here in northern New Jersey, but I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're all, all of a sudden, everybody wants to talk to you. Eh? You're a very popular guy. No, I, I'm doing great. It is, uh, it is great to have you on the show. And the Devils have become one of the, the big stories in the NHL, and it is because they are off to an 0-4 and two start have yet to win a game we saw the Oilers and I think I'm comfortable saying steal one there last week but I'll, I'll ask you the general question first uh, what's the problem here with the Devils what's kept them out of the win column a little bit of everything I mean basically if I told you that the power play is over the season the penalty kill is last in the league both goalies are I think both goalies are below 900 now after the last game and None of those three things are probably the biggest problem. Um, that probably is a good summation of how everything has just kind of gone wrong. I mean, I think the biggest thing is they've, you know, they've got a bunch of new guys. They haven't necessarily fit all together yet, and some of that is leading to. I think the, the biggest problem is they're just kind of a mess in their own zone, and it's not even so much actual defending in the in the defensive zone. It's just they can't get the puck out once they actually have a chance to, and. It's a little bit, just a little bit of everything in the defensive zone. They're spending way too much time there, and I think that is just sort of bleeding into every every other facet of the game. I'm curious what sort of the vibe was around the team before the season, and maybe some of the expectations were. Obviously, getting Subban was a big move. Simmons a big move. You know, I had question marks about the goaltending going in, but I thought, you know, in in that division, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity there. What what was it like, sort of, around the team before the year started? Yeah, I, I mean, I think everyone, certainly all the players were all very positive. Uh, you know, last year was miserable. They 
they started out playing well and losing, and then they got injured and lost some more. And so, like, but you know, basically by the end of it, getting the number one pick and getting Jack Hughes, and then all of the additions they made this summer, and having Taylor Hall and a couple other guys back healthy, they all, you know, there, there was definitely a lot of optimism. Like, just specifically yesterday, uh, you know, Tom Fitzgerald spoke to the media because as part of this whole mess that they're in, they're moving an assistant general manager behind the bench as an assistant coach. Um, he said very bluntly, like, look, we, we didn't think we were a Stanley Cup team, but we certainly think we're a playoff team. So, obviously, starting out 0-4-2 is not the way to the playoffs. So tell me about this move with Fitzgerald going on the bench. I mean, from from afar, it's easy to say, oh, well, he's the, not the spy, but he's going down there to supervise and get the intel on the coaching staff. How, how is this being looked at there? Yeah, so I, I sort of, that was my initial thought was, yeah, this is like the principal sitting in on class, right? Like, um, But I think... Because it's it's specifically it's him. It's Tom Fitzgerald who has worked with Ray Shiro and with John Hines for over a decade now, um, and he's you know he's pretty close with some of the players. He's you know I, I think in general they're certainly couching it as he's there to uh, get some of the players going, not necessarily like I think Ray Shiro's quote yesterday was this isn't a coaching thing, this is a players thing or something to that effect. Um, and uh, and so someone asked him, you know, can you give John Hines a vote of confidence? And he said he doesn't believe in that, and he wants the players to give him a, a vote of confidence that he picked the right uh, explosive team. So uh, that's sort of the. I mean, there's. I think the. I think that management wanted to shift this focus to the players a little bit because there has been just an avalanche of is time up is time up for for John Hines here in New Jersey after just a couple of games this season, which I I mean I personally think is. Just, I just think any team firing their coach six games into the season is silly. Like if if, it, if that's the case, then you should have fired him in the summer. So, um, but I do think that, that that's sort of part of it is they want you know they they need their players playing better, and they think maybe this is like a, a tweak that will will sort of you know wrestle something out of them. Corey Massasak joining us on Inside Sports covers the New Jersey Devils for the Athletic. Okay, so Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet threw out the, the the Taylor Hall scenario yesterday. Mentioned Edmonton as a team that might be interested. I got to tell you, Corey, if if Taylor Hall were made available, I think every team would be interested, at least to some degree. Whether or not it's realistic, if a team could acquire him or not. But I mean, this is you know Hall's going to be a free agent next summer. Is there a sense that if this season goes off the rails that, you know, the priority would be to move him as opposed to try to work out a deal? What's going on with Hall there right now? Yeah, it's, I mean, I would say that it's been a pretty unique situation in terms of if you look back at the last, whatever, eight or ten, like, elite high-profile guys who are going to be free agents. And, I, I mean, I think, I think when he's healthy, Taylor is absolutely one of the three or four best wings uh in the you know he's in the nhl and i think that he's one of those guys that uh he i don't think in general like an average nhl wing is as valuable as a center but the the very best ones are so you know he's going to get center money basically is is what i'm saying uh so um yeah no i think i think everything has been like he has definitely enjoyed his time here he said that several times i think he is one of the people in that locker room that likes the coach um uh, you know, I'm not saying that other other guys don't, but just that he's been one of the biggest proponents of John Hines. He likes the area. He's he was really happy when they made the playoffs two years ago. But that's the thing. Like he, like I don't think, I don't think there's any situation out there in the NHL that he wants to go to that doesn't involve 
hey, I'm going to be on a playoff contender for the next five years. So that I think that maybe narrows the field down from his perspective. But like you said, if if it's a rental thing and it's just for the rest of the season, then every team in the league should probably be interested in him. So I think I think you know they Rayshiro and and his agent there in Ferris talked right like maybe a week before the season started during training camp. Um, that seemed to go pretty well from all accounts, uh, but there really hasn't been anything since. And I think, I think it, basically the bottom line is that the Devils think they're going to have a chance to sign him. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but if the season goes off the rails and it looks more increasingly like he's there, he's just not coming back. Then I do think that that a trade somewhere you know closer to the deadline, but not maybe before that, would be would would certainly come into play. Yeah, I got you. Well, it's going to be an interesting story to watch. Well, you know, hopefully the Devils give you some wins to to talk about there in the near future. Uh, I mean, we've covered some Oilers teams that have uh, stumbled out of the gate, so it does put a team behind the eight ball for sure. Hey, thanks for checking in. I know it's been a busy time for you, Corey. I look forward to seeing you here in Edmonton on November 8th. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, and uh, that'll actually be my first uh, my first time in the new arena, so I'm looking forward to it. Right on. That is Corey Matsisak. He covers the New Jersey Devils for the Athletic. Well, they're looking good to get their first win tonight. They lead the Rangers 3-1 late in the second period. Coleman, Palmieri, and Wood have scored for the Devils. D'Angelo with the response for the Rangers. I mean, this Taylor Hall stuff is interesting. Elliot Friedman put it out there. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Talks to a lot of people around the NHL. I think clearly if the New Jersey Devils said we're making Taylor Hall available you'd have to inquire what the price would be. Um, Oilers specifically, I mean, let's face it, the Oilers basically have no cap room. Like, what is it, 25, like 25, it's nothing. It's like $25,000. They basically have no cap room. So if you're taking on Taylor Hall as a rental in, in February to try and make the playoffs or win the Stanley Cup or whatever situation you're, you're, might, you're, you're in, um, you know, are you going to give up You'd have to give up similar salary, so you're giving that up for a rental player. And then when he goes to free agency in the summer, I mean, Taylor Hall is going to ask for, what, $11 bucks. So if you were to come to Edmonton, A, you got to clear out players. So Nugent Hopkins, Nurse, you know, you don't sign Cassian, Larson, whatever. Like, you're trading players or letting them walk, depending on their contract status. And here's another interesting thing with the Oilers. Could you pay a player? You're not paying anybody more than McDavid, obviously. Could you pay somebody more than Dreisaitl? Right? I mean, do the Oilers basically have an internal cap in terms of their second highest paid player? Can't make more than Dreisaitl. Because Dreisaitl's pretty darn good. I'm not saying Hall's not not very good, but, you know, like, could, could you pay Hall... 11, assuming you had the room, and then dry settles only make you eight and a half. I'm not saying it's impossible. There have been things that I thought were pretty darn unlikely that have happened with the Oilers and in the world of sports, but uh, I, I think some things would really have to align financially for for Taylor Hall to wind up back in Edmonton. But it's, it's, it's fun to talk about, I suppose, at this time of year. Chiefs get a touchdown. They're up 7-6 on the Broncos. This is going to be a great little spot coming up. Owen McGonagall, the Oilers' general manager for a day when we get back. Hi, 
Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Eskimos on a bye. Will Trevor Harris be active next Saturday when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium? Eskimos are going to the playoffs. There is still an unlikely formula for them to stay in the West, but most likely they will cross over to the East and play Montreal. JT texting 63630 says, absolutely no way Hall is worth $11 million a year. He averages 25 goals a year. He's worth Mark Stone money at $9.5 million. Marner, Panarin, Tarasenko, Pasternak, Stone, and Kucherov are all better. Another texter says uh, Hall would be a great deadline pickup, but definitely not a smart free agent signing. You can text 630-630. I got to meet a really cool young man at Oilers practice today. It was Oilers wish day, so some youngsters got to sign one-day contracts. This guy, 15 years old, wanted to be general manager for a day, and Ken Holland spent about an hour with him watching practice and talking hockey with him. I got to squeeze in there, and I chatted with Owen McGonagall. It's been great. Yeah, it's a real awesome day, like once-in-a-lifetime experience. So what made you want to be GM for a day? Um, it's a good question. Good question. Um, I'm, I just uh, love uh, the aspect of the GM's job, like uh, controlling the team. It's the best position in the organization, and uh, it's a real cool job and opportunity to have. Now tell me a little bit about how come uh, you're an Oilers fan, because you live in Ontario, but the Oilers are your team. So I used to live in Edmonton, and I moved to London, Ontario when I was about four. Um, So I lived all around uh, Alberta, I lived Edmonton, Sherwood Park, and uh, Fort McMurray. So uh, I grew up watching the Oilers and uh, came to that couple games during that uh, playoff run in 2005 and 6, I think it was, with uh, Ryan Smith and uh, Sam Gagne and all those guys. So I went to a couple of those games and just grew up watching the Oilers and never wavered really. Okay, well, good for you for sticking with it. You got to spend some time with uh, Mr. Holland. I, I know some of those discussions, you know, between GMs probably have to stay off the record, but can you tell us anything you, you talked about or anything you learned today? Um, so, um, well, yeah, we haven't uh, really gotten into too much yet, but uh, it's cool to see this side of the job. Um, listening to plans and uh, we haven't talked talked to Dave Tippett yet but we have a couple questions for him after and um, I'm sure I'll get to the inside scoop on the game coming up and you're coming to the game tomorrow against the Wings yes I am okay have you been to a game in this building before I have yes actually Um, yeah I came here two years ago I believe for uh, the Battle of Alberta it was a great game so you, you live in you live in London now, and understand your family billets uh, some OHL players, and, and you got to know Evan Bouchard a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, we used to billet. Um, we started billeting in 2015-16 with uh, two rookies, Nicholas Matten and Robert Thomas, and um, the other rookie on that team was Evan Bouchard. So uh, they hung out a lot, came over for dinner, and uh, we got to chat him up with chat up with Bouchard and he's become a real nice guy to know. Pretty good defenseman too. Very, yeah. Great shot. Yeah. So what 
tell me a little bit about just because I, I remember when I was your age. You know the things I liked about hockey. I, I you know I liked the stats. I, I always you know kind of got more exciting when it got to the got to the playoffs. But being a fan, I think, is a very personal experience for everybody. So what what is your connection with this with this great Canadian game? What keeps you interested day after day? Um. Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a stats guy as well. I like to know the stats and everything like that, but it, it's just, like, there's nothing out there like hockey, like uh, Canada's game. I'm very patriotic to Canada, and uh, it's a very quick pace, and it's a quick pace game. Like, there's nothing like it. There's, like, strategy, but, like, also skill involved in it, and, like, it's just the... Uh, I, I couldn't think of a better sport. It's awesome. So do you think, uh, I mean, you got to be the GM for a day. Do you think you'd like to try to be a manager in hockey or a coach or a scout or something like that? I don't know. Um, yeah, I've always, um, I'm planning to try to get into the hockey side of things as a career. Um, uh, my primary goal is to be a sports agent because, um, you know, GMs are kind of hard to come by but someone offers me a general manager position I'm not going to turn it down obviously but uh, yeah so I, I think I want to be a sports agent so yeah I'm planning to go to law school. That's awesome good for you. Okay so here's my last question there's six and one out of the gate um, what, what do you think so far? Are, like, are you, were you pretty optimistic before the season? Are like, you feeling even better now? I just wonder what you think of the team to this point. Yeah, this is a crazy start for Edmonton, like second best start in the league behind Colorado and uh I think it'll only get get better hopefully. Um yeah, it's uh I definitely um was very shocked when I was watching the games and everything like that. Well, not shocked, but it's uh it it was awesome to see how they came together and played. Uh, the start by James Neal has been ridiculous, like crazy. That's a great start for him. And obviously, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl coming back after winning two all-star categories last year, the passing and the speed skating. So I was expecting um, a decent season, but like this has been a great start for them. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Hope you have a great day and enjoy the game tomorrow. Thank you very much. Absolutely a pleasure to talk to Owen. Owen McGonagall, 15 years old, told you a little bit about uh, why he's an Oilers fan. Lives with muscular dystrophy. Very brave and strong young guy. Coming to the game tomorrow. Got to spend a lot of time with Ken Holland. Awesome to talk to Owen. Wish him all the best for sure. We got a break for the 7 o'clock news. Chiefs now up 10-6 on the Broncos in the first quarter. You can text 630-630, our phone number 780-496-0063. You can also email insidesports at 630ched.com. Talking a little bit uh, more Oilers and some football when we get back. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.